to another episode of Sal's Talk. We have a great show for you Pat is here. Right off the bat I should acknowledge that your normal robo pal is in the shop this week so I am stepping in. My name is Kendra, do you like me? I hope so. This is really all I have going for me and this is my shot at the big time. Johnny said if I do good he will throw the other robot in the bathtub. I hope that's not a suicide thing but I don't really understand. My programming is all hosting related. I can say mattress promo codes in over 35 languages. Ha ha. Podcast at humor. Classic. Anyway, on with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back yet again. Going to be another outstanding episode of Sauce Talk. And you know why? On the other line, none other than Pat Polk. Pat, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, John. How are you? Good to be back. Pretty good. Glad to have you back. It's been a long time. There's been uh, a bit of a, a gap in recording in general, but also just a gap in Pat uh, appearances. So it's very good we're rectifying that tonight, don't you think? I'm happy to be back. Um, I have been saving up so many possible plugs and topics uh, for months that I'm going to explode. I know we didn't prepare for this. We're just going to throw everything. We're going to throw caution to the wind. Pat, give me one of your plugs right now. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Here's a twist plug that you know about that others don't, I think. I will plug... The Daft Punk anime concert movie, Interstellar 555, The Story of the Secret Star System, where all of the S's and story and secret and star and system are uh, written with fives. And uh, when Daft Punk broke up, I learned more and more about this anime concert movie, and I knew I had to see it, and I did. And it's actually quite good and a little bit moving, I thought. Uh Obviously, somebody is nice enough to come on my podcast. I'm always going to be nice to them. I'm not going to say bad stuff. And if they plug something, I'll be like, yeah, that sounds good. And that may not always be the case. But let me tell you, this time of all times, that is a good plug. If you are out there in radio land listening to this podcast right now, strongly consider shutting this off and going to watch this movie, this, this short film. It's like, what, an hour long, right? Something like that. Yeah, it's really short. It's really mm-hmm. short, and you you gotta. I think I watched. I believe we actually sort of watched this together, and it's. I found it on like Daily Motion or something. Does that sound right? One of those bogus websites. Yeah, you you, you I, got like a DVD I, um, or something, didn't you? A, like yeah. a gray market Blu-ray. Yeah, okay. it's like French or something, but it had an English track. Um, but yeah, there's like a there's like a weird bootleg stream available too if you search for it. I found it on Daily Motion or something, and it's. Just five stars out of five. Had a great time watching it. Uh, this is an excellent plug. We're off to a flying start here. Let's keep it going. Pat, eat anything good lately? Yes. Um, so Jen and I have not gone out. And, and I apologize to the listeners if this is a repeat. I don't think it is. We we I tried to confirm beforehand. But Jen and I have not gone out to eat very much during the pandemic. We've done a lot of cooking. And I could recommend any number of delicious things that, uh, quote unquote, we have made, but really it's Jen. Um, 
so there's a lot of good new dishes we've been trying to branch out, especially things with tofu, things like that. But of restaurant things, um, I am excited to have discovered during the pandemic, uh, well into my time living in Oak Park, a new place that has joined the pantheon of the top three places of Oak Park. I think it might be number two for me, uh, as, as loyal ris- listeners will know. The other two top places are Spilt Milk, the cookie and pie place, and uh, Daily Bagel, the bagel place. Um, I think this slots in above the bagel place and below Spilt Milk. It's called Carnivore. It is a butcher shop slash re- uh, like sandwich shop, and it is really small, uh, but they have really good sandwiches and burgers and things like that. And um, like literally, like during COVID right now, it's uh, they have they will allow five people in the entire like store per at a time because it's so tiny. And so like a lot of people just get like local good meat there, but they have like a sandwich counter and the sandwiches are really good. And like their burgers have been written up as like the best burgers in Chicago sort of situation. Um, but particularly I recommend their ham sandwich. Ham uh, sandwich. I, I that's that nice. Sa- yeah. Obviously it might not be surprising that I hadn't been there uh, much because it is called carnivore and Jen is a strict vegetarian. <laughs> and so we didn't like go there ever together. Um, actually I ended up going because my friend Chris Jones was visiting uh, with his girlfriend and they wanted to just, you know, hang out during the pandemic and like chit chat. And they were just looking for a place on Yelp and they saw this place and went and they said it was really good. And uh, so I went and I was like, man, I can't believe I haven't been going there all along. It's like, <laughs> That's always nice when people come to visit you and then tell you what things in your neighborhood are good to go to. Yeah. That's better than the alternative. Like they're never going to come back, but you get to go back there all the time. That's great. I wouldn't put past uh, Chris Jones to come back. I bet he will. (laughs) Uh, A a couple follow-ups. First off, I had a real range of emotions at the beginning because I was going to call you out because at the beginning you you just – I not even called you out. I was going to allude to how you said something similar to noted uh, clown in some ways, uh, Bill, wait for it, Simmons, uh, when you said that it was a top three <laughs> restaurant in Oak Park. I was like, that's such oh, a yeah. Bill Simmonsism. But then you actually were like, here are the three. If you do that, it's legit. Bill Simmons loves mm-hmm. it. Like, oh my, he's like a top seven shooting guard of all time. And then like you go back through and check on it. It's like, well, there's 13 people in his top seven shooting guards. This is not meaningful. But you actually, you, you, you not even cleaned it up. You, you followed through and, and it, it was a top three. And there's, look, lo and behold, three places to eat in it who can believe what a good top three that is but either in the moment i was like that is such a very specific oh my god it's, it's totally a top three restaurant in oak park it's so good um <laughs> and, and from, i know that's like oak park is not huge so like a top three restaurant in oak park doesn't sound like that high of praise it's just a little suburb but they've got, like, they don't have a ton of places but they have a lot of pretty good places the so, places you've come like, on to a, talk about place, sound good yeah, and there's another place, Americas, that's like a sit-down fancy restaurant that is like much more nice than these other places, and that would be like the in the top four. Like that would be that round up the Mount Rushmore to be the Bill Simmons. That's the Mount Rushmore of Oak Park restaurants. Um, but but like that place is legit, really good. But I haven't even talked about it yet. So there's like a few places that are super good, and they're even though it's a pretty small town. 
that's what really breaks it from being a Bill Simmons thing is the idea that there is any restaurant you like that's not in the top three. Like for it to be the top three Bill Simmons <laughs> style, it would have to be like literally everything I like, like everything I can come up with. Oh yeah, it's a top three. So good. Uh, now that said, I, I, we, we can't let it pass. We have to, we have to get into this. A ham sandwich is not like up there on, at least to me, on the list of like, oh, the classic sandwiches. People get excited about a ham sandwich. Like the, a ham sandwich is frequently referred to as like the famously bland or uninteresting thing. So this must be some kind of ham sandwich. It's super good. Yeah. It, um, they, Obviously, they get all their meat local, and, like, they make their own thing. And so, like, the ham itself is obviously very good. It's, like, thick cut. It's salty. It's very good. Um, it has, speaking of, you know, sauce talk, it has, like, a, like a chunky mustard. Ooh. Um, We've been talking. There's been a lot of chunky so like, mustard talk on the podcast lately. So that's going to ring true for the exactly. listeners out there. So Matt Schmidt would approve. Yeah. Matt Schmidt would approve of the mustard. Um Wait, I got to jump in real quick. It, you, if you know. if I ever become a DJ, DJ Chunky Mustard on the table. Not a bad. I could do a, a lot worse. Uh, it, it gets a lot of points across. Okay, what else we got on the sandwich? Um, may so lettuce, tomato, onion, um, mayo. In addition to the to the mustard, your choice of cheese. And the two times I've had the sandwich, I chose pepper jack. Oh, nice. A little, you know, a little bit of spice. Um, it comes with pickles, but I don't like pickles. So I, I don't, I ask for no pickle, but, uh, it's pretty, it's on a, um, like a roll. It's not like sliced bread. It's like a roll long skinny. So it's like kind of like a mini sub almost yeah. more than like a typical square sandwich. Uh, and it's just amazingly good. The, the, yeah, the mustard is really good. The ham is really good and they just do a good job with it. But like, they're more famous for their burgers, but I thought that their burger while very good was less like above replacement value than their ham sandwiches. I I get the vibe. That's probably a common thing that a lot of places that are really known for a burger, like that's just, it's so easy to order, but then actually there's other better things on the menu. This does also sound like a very dressed up ham sandwich. I wondered, I, I thought like it could be like the Ron Swanson burger, but of ham sandwich where it's like, nope, the ham is just that good. We put some bread on it, like it. That would that would be a big swing. I can't conceive of liking that, but I wondered if that's what it was going to be. But this is not that. It sounds really good. Um, I, I really like the uh, uh, the ham sandwich. I think is 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 so commonly that plain version, and so dressing it up like a mm-hmm. proper sub seems like the way to go. Um, the pepper jack cheese. Uh, it, how, how hard does it hit? It feels like that's a perfect combination with the ham because the ham is so can can be so just salt bomb, not a ton to it. This probably isn't that. It's probably smoky and good, but the the, the cheese sounds like the way to dress it up. Yeah, it's good. It's not like especially spicy. It's not like habanero pepper jack or anything. It's just like it's it's just a little tiny bit of spice. Um, I'm sure it would be very good with like any other st- standard sliced cheese, like a, a sharp cheddar would be good too. Um, I think like they offer Swiss, but I don't really like Swiss, but, but this, this seemed like the obvious choice. So I've gone for that both times, but, um, the cheese is not a standout, but it certainly complements everything. Is it, is it a, is it a hot sandwich or is it cold? You can get it either way and I get it warmed up. Yeah. Okay. It's all melty and good. Mm-hmm. Nice. It sounds fantastic. Every time you order a sandwich, 
Oh, so I was just gonna. Every time you order a sandwich or burger or sausage, all the uh, they have pulled pork. Um, that you automatically get a side of fries too. It's that sort of place you don't you, you don't order the fries; they just come with everything, and they have good fries too. But so it's like a whole little unhealthy meal bomb, and it's delicious. It really sounds like these guys, these, these people, are trying to go. <clears throat> excuse me, they're trying to go out of their way. They called themselves carnivore they're selling like every kind of meat sandwich and then everybody's hung up on the burgers i bet they're pissed about this if they've got these good ass <laughs> ham sandwiches and these sausages and these pulled pork or whatever they're probably like quit ordering the fucking burgers yeah everybody can make a good burger look at all this other stuff we're doing and most people aren't even looking at it yeah it's it's really good carnivore oak park the, it, it's it's the one location is that mm-hmm. correct okay I feel like, I mean, yeah. a lot of these listeners are in the Chicago area. COVID times we continue, but we all got our shots. If you don't have your shot, don't listen to this podcast. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> that, that's how we get every guy. We get that vaccination rate up, right? Exclude everyone. Uh, s- uh, yeah, get them out of here. Anyway, carnivore. Yep. Get out there, guy. This place sounds fucking great. <clears throat> Pat, do you listen? Sorry to- that it doesn't appeal to you. Uh, that, many things that are very good do not appeal to me. That's foreshadowing, perhaps, depending on your bad oh, no. opinions. Uh, not your, not <laughs> your bad opinions. Like the general audience, perhaps someone will like a thing I hate soon. Uh, but first, Pat, do you like podcasts? <laughs> yes, I like podcasts, and I listen to uh, an unhealthy amount of hours of podcast on a weekly basis. Yes, me too. In listening to these innumerable podcasts, I have, over the years, and really over the last several months, as I have just gotten deeper and deeper in the pandemic hole, and I can't go outside, and all I got is these podcasts, I have found myself coming to hate several podcast jokes. I will call these the most basic and bad podcast jokes, and as a dis, not a disclaimer, as, as a, to, to notify everyone, to make everyone aware, I am confident all or most of these I have done on this show. So I, I certainly don't mean to, I, I, I under, I, in fact, I would argue that these, there's something inherent to the art form. This, this is, this is my art friends. Be sure to listen to my good art. Uh, but there's <laughs> something about recording podcasts that make you want to make jokes like this i don't I, we could even get into that if you want to with some of this stuff and then i've got three and if you think of any but you're i'm not, not issuing I, it go ahead you're not issuing you a challenge to me personally to edit together all the times you made these jokes is what you're saying uh you could but i, I i'm saying i wouldn't find it interesting because I, I do think i've said it but i think and you could do this with every podcast i bet um and so you might argue that some of these aren't jokes, but I think they mostly are. And then if you think of any other similar things, I think there's probably more than this. But these are things I am tired of hearing on podcasts. And then uh, if, if as we go, you think of any others, let me know. The first one, every – so I think Mike Huber, to begin with, brought up the concept a while back. Uh, he had some fancy phrase for it, but it was something along the lines of like, podcast elongation theory and it was the idea that every podcast over time got longer and that not every podcast gets to being three hours long or more 
but that over time you just get too into yourself and your podcast. I know that's happened to this. It happens to most shows. That said, every podcast I've ever listened to, I think, and running the gamut from like serious political podcasts to just straight up joke podcasts to anything in between, everyone eventually makes jokes about how either we're going off on too many tangents, we're going, we're getting off topic too much. Oh my God, this show is going to be X hours long talking about the length extending the podcast. And it doesn't, like, I listen to shows that literally don't do episodes over an hour long, and they still tell me about how they're getting off on tangents, they're getting off topic, and they're running extremely long. No one's going to listen to this. I'm tired of it. We've heard it too many times. Does, does this ring true for you? Do you know what I'm talking about here? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that's a thing that a lot of podcasts do. Um, and, like, especially, obviously, more conversational podcasts that are kind of you know, a group of friends talking about a general topic, but not like a super focused, like formulaic podcast. Like obviously like a true crime uh, podcast or one that has like a specific like gamey focus. And I don't mean video games, which is what I listen to a lot of obviously. Uh, But I mean, like if, if the conceit of the podcast is a game in some way, like those are a little less prone to that because they have such a strict formula, but all of the conversational ones do that pretty often. Yes, I agree. You're, that's a good point um, in, in both regards, but especially there, you're right in that I listen to podcasts that are you know, like, like true crime stuff or whatever that is just written. And so there we, we are not hearing that. We're not hearing we're going off topic again, but it, it's so much. I think this is probably a better example. I am sick and tired of people joking about use, using the phrase or some equivalent of podcasting is an audio medium to criticize someone else for either sharing their screen or showing something or doing something physical on a podcast. Everybody does this. And I I think it's unfair. I think it's totally reasonable to make a podcast where you are sharing your screen with someone else and both talking about it. And it's very funny or that someone is doing something physically or showing someone something. And yet everyone jumps on that joke so hard of, you know, they can't see you. Podcasting is an audio medium. It's boring. It's a boring joke. It 100% does happen as well. I agree. Two for two on things that are very common for sure. The last one is the simplest one. I don't need to hear any more examples of any more instances in which someone says, oh, this is just like that thing that happened at the end of Ghostbusters. And then someone says, oh, wait, spoiler alert for Ghostbusters, a movie from 1980. The joke of we're concerned about spoilers and then either honestly, either sincerely or insincerely. We do it too much. Nobody thinks we need spoiler alerts for movies that old or whatever's that old. We keep getting it. I think that is a thing. I would say this one is definitely less uh, common in my experience. Uh, maybe maybe this one is more specific to individual types of podcasts or the podcasts you listen to. Like I've, I've definitely had that a few times, but it has not happened so much to my mind that it is like, you know, a recurring theme that it irritates me. Um, I think it is, it, it occasionally happens. Like I will say uh, to go on a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so like, uh, you can play the tangent just about spoilers in general. I cannot 
I don't like having things spoiled for me, especially if it's like a thing I'm currently consuming. Like if there's a, you know, like Game of Thrones while it was airing or, you know, Mayor of Easttown, which we just finished. Things that are like, you know, deliberately twisty and, and whatnot. I, I prefer to avoid spoilers. Oh, uh, uh, Mass Singer. I was a, little, a few episodes behind there and I did not want to know who was unmasked. Um, but I think that uh, a certain type of nerd, especially, and it, it is very often video game nerds, are way oversensitive about spoilers and they are insane. And so like listening to video game podcasts, the uh, circles that people will dance around talking about a subject yeah. uh, is so insane to me. Like they're not making spoiler alert jokes like you talked about, but like, like giant bomb is my favorite game website and has favorite, my favorite podcast. And like they do, um, they they talk about like new games every week and they will talk about the plot and then they will just dance around the subject of the plot and they'll do end of year awards and they will completely avoid talking about a thing unless it is the specific category that is warned to talk about spoilers. And it, like, the, it is like an incomprehensible conversation because they're trying so hard to not <clears throat> spoil things. And like people, and like a lot of the people who are on those podcasts, like, are super intense about spoilers themselves. Like they're saying like, like they're the sort of people that don't watch movie trailers because like either like, you know, a big franchise, a, a tentpole Marvel or star Wars or some other ongoing movie series. Like they just refuse to watch trailers because they don't want even a microscopic portion spoiled for them. And I cannot relate to this exceptional sensitivity to spoilers. I think it is, it, is, it has gone too far and <clears throat> has been indulged for far too long. I, and I think that's that's where this this joke stems from, and so I think this is a, a very good connection you've made here. I, I agree with you. Uh, I, I think with just everything you've said, that there's a narrow window of brand new things I'm consuming that I don't want to be spoiled for. But also, it's just a fact. If you're watching, you're consuming something that isn't brand new. Your way of consuming it is different than how other people consumed it already. And so it's just it's not reasonable to say I just won't know anything about it. I I've d definitely listened to podcasts before where exactly what you're talking about where like you can't even tell what they're trying to get at and they can't even properly tell you whether this game is fun because they they're not allowed to tell you the things that they like in it because those are all spoilers. And I find that so frustrating and especially for that like unless you're going to literally say like and then the twist at the end is like nothing else is a spoiler to me. And I wish they would I wish things like that would just say, "Hey, if you are a sensitive spoiler person, this has spoilers, but we're not going to spoil the ending. And then just, just I get to listen to it. Uh, we have talked before how there are like certain video games that I'm like not going to play, but I'm interested in, and I will just read the spoilers. And I hate that like I, podcasts are basically impossible for that because they won't ever talk about it, even if the game's ten years old and it's whatever. They're just not going to tell you what happens at the end, and that's to say, oh my god, this is the actual only listen if you've played all seventy five hours. I'm yeah. not, not going to play any hours. Just tell me about the fucking game. I, I like hearing about games. All of that said, I never think of myself as a spoiler reverse person. But then uh, today we got a word that season two of I Think You Should Leave is coming up. And instantly my first thought was I will not watch any trailer or anything for that. I want the purest possible viewing experience but i will watch all the episodes like at the latest within three days of the show coming out so that will be easy for me to uh pull together 
my viewing experience that I want. I will be able to do it. I'm not going to be telling people months later, continue to not tell me about the six or eight episodes of I Think You Should Leave that I haven't watched yet because I care so much that I didn't watch it in the first six and months. That's really out. funny because that's a sketch show. <laughs> it's not like it's it, like, it seems like uh, it's it's unspoilable. But I, I do think to myself as like I would like to go in because that is honestly how I, I went into the first season. I didn't watch it initially. I didn't really know about it. And then a, a few months after it came out, I kept seeing the fucking guy who uh, doesn't want his steering wheel to come off. And so that was the only thing I knew from the entire series uh, going into the show. And I think that was a good viewing experience for me. And I'm going to do that again. So uh, they they released a, a video today, but it's just stuff from the first season. They're singing songs from it. So I haven't seen anything new. And if they, I assume they will probably release some sort of teaser thing. I won't watch that. But that's, first off, it's only the tip-top stuff. And like, I'm going to watch the thing instantly. And then I, I can read everything about it. If after I watch the show, somebody says, oh, I did a podcast about how good the show is. And I turn it on and they won't tell me what the jokes are. That's not going to be a good show. You got to talk about the show if you want to talk about the show. Agreed. Yes. You got any uh, anything come to mind? Do you have any bad podcast jokes that you have sincere animosity for, or uh, what do you think? I don't, I'm not like uh, certainly like exceptionally worked up about it, but definitely the first thing that came to mind when you talked about essentially like overused, like tropey podcast jokes is jokes about sponsors, either. Uh, a podcast that is not sponsored, joking about getting sponsors, or a podcast that is sponsored, joking about having a new sponsor because they mentioned something, like, hey, hit us up, or, like, super jokey shilling for things that they already uh, have, like, just conspicuously bringing up mattresses and, you know, hiring services and blah, 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 blah. Uh, like, there's a whole different genre of um, sponsored jokes that you don't see in, like, other media you know, probably, you know, as a, because again, podcasts are much more conversational and personal than, you know, like a TV show or anything like that. Um, but, but it is a very constant, uh, source of jokes. I've noticed. That last one, especially, uh, the somewhat mocking, but also, boy, you sure did really tell me the promo code. So in what universe is this a joke? That sort of thing. I, I, especially latch on to there. And again, people I, I I really think are extremely funny. I've heard make that exact type of joke and I'm just not I'm not here for it. It's not uh it's not my joke. I have an uh honorable mention. This is not a podcast joke, but as I was doing this, I got mad about another joke. This is much worse than everything else I've said. And again, I think I made a joke like about this and I'm sure other people have. I'm sure People listening, I don't know if you have, but I'm sure someone listening has made this. And this is not a criticism of you because whoever made it didn't make it in June 2021. You made it months ago, just like I did. But goddamn, I don't need any more jokes, jokes about how I got the vaccine and now my 5G is really good. Or I got the vaccine and now Bill Gates knows where I go. This joke was tired in March, and if anything, it is more prevalent now. It, it's so beyond over. We don't need to hear about it. But like, if I know I consume more internet than I should, than anyone should. But goddamn, if you consume internet and somebody accidentally s says vaccine, 
13 people are lined up to be like, I got the vaccine and now my 5G is good. Shut the fuck up. Yes, I agree. Uh, that, is, that is a lame joke. I A joke that has been funny a couple of times about the vaccine that I've seen is uh, people joking about getting third, fourth, fifth doses. I, I haven't gotten tired of that yet. <laughs> I, I, uh, I have also made that joke, and I also still think that's funny. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. That, one, that one I'll stand by. Obviously, the, the phrase Fauci-ouchie is uh, really gross and disgusting. That can gross, fuck it right off. Yeah, get right out. Yeah. Don't, don't ever want to hear that again. Um, yeah, I was thinking it'd be really funny just out of context to like tweet, like, got my third dose. Just, uh, <laughs> like not even joking about like getting superpowers or super immunity, just like ignorance to that you're only supposed to have two. That'd be, it'd be pretty fun. Yeah. Gina and I had a back and forth about simultaneously really wanting to like minister, like all the states now after Ohio did their lottery thing, everybody's got. Like, oh, you can get whatever. And so, like, in Minnesota, you can get, like, a $25 Visa gift card or state fair tickets or a fishing license if you get the vaccine. And That's much less good than a million dollars, I will say. But, but you actually get it. You don't get the million dollars. That's where they get you. <laughs> yeah. um, but so everybody's doing some lame thing because people are too stupid to get the vaccine. And Gina and I have had many back and forth about, like, simultaneously thinking that it's really good to get the Johnson and Johnson vaccine as many times as you can. And also <laughs> I just fucking need more state fair tickets. Like, am I only going to go six times this year? No, I got to get that vaccine again. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a good, good incentive. Yeah. It's going to get everybody out. Uh, more importantly, Pat, what sauce are you bringing to the table this week? So I was a little bit scrambling. I had, I've gone through a lot of my favorite sauces. I didn't tell you what I chose beforehand. I'm going to go with something that's very basic, but so uh, frequently used in our house that it, it is highly recommended. Um, but it's not anything surprising or fancy, and probably most of the people listening to this have already had it. But the specific brand, I specifically highly recommend Mrs. Renfro's Green Salsa. Um, it is a Texas um, salsa brand, Mrs. Renfro's. It is a green salsa. It is, I think, just like mostly tomatillos and habanero, I mean jalapeno. Uh, so it says jalapeno peppers, water, distilled vinegar, cornstarch, salt, dried onion spices, dried garlic. It doesn't even have tomatillos in it. Um, it is the perfect, surprisingly high level of spice for a super uh, market available salsa. It is it is spicier than a lot of what you would get at the supermarket. Like I, we bought their like Mrs. Renfro has a lot of different salsas. They're you know pretty common and they have a, a wide variety. Like we bought their like ghost pepper salsa that's like a, a hot red version, and we thought it was less spicy than their green <laughs> that just has jalapeno. Like it is. It has more kick than you might expect, but it's really good. And we put it, we use it all the time. That is uh, my sauce. I definitely get down with Mrs. Renfro. I have had that specific salsa. I like it very much. Um, this might be, I, I, I think it's an especially good example, especially for a uh, s grocery store version. It's a, it's a fantastic green salsa. This is now maybe, I don't know if this is a hot take, 
where you'll be with me on this. I think as my tastes have matured over the years, I think I am green salsa over red salsa. I feel strongly the same way. Um, I, like it certainly like if you're at a specific like Mexican restaurant and they have like a green salsa and a red salsa on the table, like you might find one where there's, you know, that that restaurant has better red salsa. But if you're just with going in with no prior information and there is green salsa available and red salsa available, most of the time, my, my preference would be for the green. Uh, I think it is, it is often better. It's like, you know, a little, obviously like no tomato, more acid. Um, I think it's just, yeah, just a better flavor overall. Yeah. I just like it better. And that used to be like, Oh man, salsa is red. And then if maybe you'll be wild once and get green. And obviously if you go to a Mexican restaurant, the ideal is they bring you like a green salsa, a red salsa, and then a wild card salsa that could be usually something insanely hot, but it could also be like some corn thing or some mango thing or just any like dealer's choice. Show me something else. Or just pico. Yeah, or just, yeah, absolutely. Or just like a big chunky pico and you can – big chunky pico. Now, hmm, that feels like appropriation if my DJ name is big chunky pico. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull that one back. I'm sticking with chunk, DJ Chunky Mustard. Uh, Big Chunky Pico will not be my DJ or uh, hip-hop artist name. But I, I think that's a really good sauce. And uh, like I say, I, I love green salsa. And I think that's a, like if you just go to the grocery store like, I want a green salsa I trust will be good. I think that's probably what you want unless you really know what you're getting otherwise. Yeah, like there are it, – it is not like cheap salsa, but it, there are like – more local like designer salsas that are way more expensive and we haven't liked any of them more than we like mrs renfro's yeah when you go it's salsa is one of those shockingly uh potentially high ticket uh items when you go to the grocery it's similar to i guess it's just uh tomatoes and adjacent things in general similar to like marinara sauce where you're like you get in there you just start picking like oh this one looks fancy oh my god it's 16 dollars. what are you talking about i can't i can't buy this i'm not allowed to buy this if I buy this, I have to go to jail. So uh, I, I think that Mrs. Renfro, like you say, despite not being the bottom of the uh, the market, there is, is going to be a fair price, and you're going to really like it. Yeah, like 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 in Chicago, there's like Rick Bayless salsa available, and like we've had that, and I don't think it's better than Mrs. Renfro personally. Yeah, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for our next segment. It's going to be a good one. Uh, Pat, I have heard. From you, that you are a boomerang enthusiast. Is this true? I would say a a, a blossoming, a new neophyte boomerang enthusiast. Yes. Okay. So uh, let's start with how frequently do you throw? Now, even be okay. Is the primary method with which you engage with your boomerang throwing it? Or are there other activities? Do you, like, shine your boomerang? Do you have to, like, make it nice and smooth? Or is it mostly, like... Perfor- yeah. I do not perform any advanced boomerang maintenance. Um, I, it is primarily throwing, yes. Okay. How often do you do that? So the availability to do so is pretty limited for several reasons. Um, lately, I've tried to get out when I can. And so I would say over the past few weeks... Um, it is probably approximately one to one and a half times per week. Um, it, the, the biggest issues are obviously time. Um, I pretty much go 
on my lunch break during the work day because there aren't my children around um, and I'm not working. And it has to be, I have to not have errands to run because we have those almost every work day, just like picking up groceries or, you know, dry cleaning, blah, blah, blah. This, that, and the other a surprising number of small tasks yep. have to get taken care of during lunch. And then finally, uh, because I am so bad at this, I very heavily rely on there being almost no wind uh, when I'm going to go out to do it. And that is uh, famously rare in the Chicagoland area. Sure. Um, it, so I'd say there's a couple of good days a week and I can maybe go to one of them and stand, try to throw. Uh, and so where do you go to throw the boomerang? I go to a huge park that is several blocks North of me. There, this is Oak park. It's a suburb. There's a ton of children. So there are a lot of parks very close by. Um, so like the park that I go to is enormous and it's probably like, honestly, like the 10th closest park because there are so many close together. Um, the one across the street from me is a pretty good sized park, but it is a school that is still in session. And even if they weren't school children uh, on recess, it's still a little bit too small because of how much room you need and how bad I am. Uh, so I go to a very, very large park uh, north of me. That's like a, you know, maybe a 10 minute walk north. Do you ever get to the park and there's like somebody having a picnic and you just can't throw the boomerang? No. Um, so again, I want to point out off the bat, I am self-conscious about how dorky this is. This is a silly thing for me to be doing as a grown man. Um, and the only time that there was ever any like conflict for space in this one field that is like this giant open field, there's another guy who is also let's say approaching middle age. I think he might've been older than me. He was grayer than me, certainly, and probably a little older than me. And he was practicing throwing disc golf discs. And so I felt like on better than him with that guy. <laughs> I think you're better than that. less dorky. <laughs> um, but uh, so he was like conspicuously alone practicing throwing disc golf, di disc golf discs. And I thought it was funny, but I was like, I am, I cannot throw stones here. Yeah. Uh, and so he was kind of in the middle of that field, but then he kind of worked his way towards the edge. And so then I, I went to the opposite side and I started throwing my boomerang and, and we never conflicted with each other. And eventually he left. Um, but that was the only time there was really a conflict. Uh, I went today at lunch, in fact, and there were a bunch of school children at the park writ large, but they were not in the middle of the field that I was using another, uh, several other times, this, this big field, I'm really going into a lot of detail already. Uh, this big field has two baseball diamonds on opposite sides. Um, so it's like a big open field and baseball diamonds on opposite corners. And so sometimes there are people doing like batting practice, like you, not like an organized team, but just like right. friends. Mm -hmm. Uh, so sometimes there are people doing batting practice at the field, but I can be far enough away from them where that's not a concern, I guess, unless they're like super crushing it, but that has never been a problem. So even if there's somebody using the field, it is not an issue unless there were multiple groups. Like if there, if both, if both baseball diamonds were in use, I might feel a little uncomfortable doing it um, just because of errant throws going pretty far afield. Um, but it has never been an issue so far. Are there any games you can play with a boomerang or is throwing the boomerang and getting it to come back to you so you can catch it? That's the game, right? Yeah. I'm not aware of any games. Like I, like again, I'm not like deep in the boomerang scene or anything. 
Um, but what I've read, like, there are, like, records about, like, boomerang throwing, but they're all just, like, like this guy threw it so many times in so many minutes with catching it successfully, and it has to go at least this far to be counted as a throw. Like, like there's, like, distance records and, like, throw and catch records, but I don't think there's, like, target practice or anything sure. like that. I think, I think that means that when you go to the park and the, you're doing the activity, but the guy practicing disc golf is way worse. Because he's okay. not doing the act, he's practicing for the. It's like if you were throwing the boomerang over and over again, and not even worrying about whether or not you could catch it, just to get practice and to get good at throwing it. That's worse. Yeah, I had than, like a, a quiver full of. Yeah, you just pulling them right out over them. and over again. Yeah, yeah, and then like they just start coming back. Uh, like, oh, cool, because some of them are working. Like that would be <laughs> practice for boomerang, whereas you're doing boomerang. He's not doing disc golf. That guy should get out of your way. criticism of that random guy. Yeah. 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 Fuck I, that guy. I think he's lame. Yes, he sucks. <laughs> By the way, I like disc golf. I haven't played in like probably 10 or 15 years, but I in like college and a little bit after, I played a, some disc golf. Uh, Chris Jones another brought him up for the second time. He is a big fan. I used to go with him a lot. Um, so I'm not judging disc golf as an activity. However, it is like sadder the older you get. Certainly, um, and, and you know, just practicing in the field is worse than actually playing. Yes, but I yeah. but I like I can't say disc golf. I look down on it categorically. I've never played disc golf. Uh, I bet it would be fun. I've thrown a frisbee. That's pretty good. Uh, so, how long? When did when did you get your boomerang? How many times did you guess you've been out there with the boomerang? I have. Uh, so the. Uh, Genesis for this idea. I, um, you know, as a kid, I had a boomerang. Um, I thought I liked Australia in general. And Hang on one second. To go there. I haven't been. Hang on one second. That's is that everyone? I also had a big Australia thing. I think. I mean, yeah. I think most. It's, it's such a weird alien land. This seems so cool. Did you read that Bill Bryson book? Uh, I don't believe so. I had a big Australia thing. And then like my senior year of high school, uh, Bill Bryson had a book about how much fun he had in Australia. I think it's like in a sunburned country or it's definitely something about a sunburned country. And then I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, I love Australia so much. I never been, never, never went. But I like I I, I had a thing and then I escalated it. So I wondered if perhaps that was our. But either way, at the very least, people. Yeah. I think we were a good I, age for liking Australia. Yeah, Crocodile Dundee was a thing when our I was parents a very told young us child. how cool Crocodile Dundee was, and then we watched it on yeah. VHS. Yeah, um, and it like so it seems cool already. Like it, it the, the accent is good. Boomerangs are cool. Kangaroos mm-hmm. are cool. Extremely are cool. cool. And I think uh, so. Like all that was cool. It's very far away, um, and then I think. Like studying biology uh, in college, I think it even like I, n- I never was a focus, but I think it gave me even further appreciation for how insane all their animals are. Like yeah. just being isolated for so long and all these parallel tracks of evolution, and just like it, they're just crazy that, that the marsupials existing is <laughs> wacky, and they and they have so many weird uh, things about them. Uh, so I think like 
biggest phase in childhood and then like an, a separate but uh, respect for their biology in college and like always just in the back of mind think it'd be cool to go there but like it is obviously such a trip it is so far away it's it one of the hardest places yeah just distance wise it's one of the hardest places to go yeah i guess so, it's easier than some remote place but yeah it's it's impossible yeah uh, so, so I liked it as a kid and, and like, you know, other people knew that it, so my grandfather gave me a boomerang when I was a child, like grade school or junior high. And I have a distinct memory of going out into the fields with my friend, Mike McIntyre, who you have met, um, and trying to throw that boomerang in junior high and it going poorly, um, never, never coming close to succeeding, but I, and now having learned more about it, I was doing it all wrong. Um, but anyway, so. A long time ago, I liked. I thought they were cool. Like, the, and and as as I said in the chat, like you know, they're in video games a lot. They're in cartoons a lot. Like, there's like a frequent like weapon. It's like in Ninja Turtles. It's in Legend of Zelda. It's like a common item to use, and it's cool that it comes back. Uh, and so it just was an object of fascination. And so um, I hadn't thought about them in years. I don't. I don't obsess over them or anything. But then. I was in charge of entertaining my children during their spring break during pandemic um, second time around. So this is um, late March, April or early April. And I was, uh, yeah, so we had to get outside. And so I was like, Hey, maybe, maybe a fun activity selfishly for me, because I think they're cool, would be to try to throw a boomerang. Like, I think maybe they would think that was cool because, like, Lily is inter interested in, like, science and, you know, like, uh, she's learned about the planets a lot and animals. And so I was like, maybe... Here's an airfoil. This is legit. Yeah, you exactly. got to see how the wind goes over it. So I was like, I think this is interesting and maybe they will think it is interesting too. So this will be one of my days of outdoor activity with them. So I bought a little wooden boomerang for myself um, and then a little even smaller plastic boomerang for them. Uh, and that's when we first went across the street uh, and realized that I realized I needed more room. Like I would throw <laughs> the little yellow one is a little plastic one. Um, and A, it is very light and very affected by the wind. And B, when it's affected by the wind, it will go anywhere, including at the playground equipment <laughs> adjacent oh, no. to the field. Oh, no. And so like I never came especially close to hitting a child with a boomerang, but it was closer than it should have been. Like but you landed. could like see yourself as the parent on the other side saying, yeah, that's exactly. not where like, I want to see if, the boomerang. Even thing. if it was several feet yeah. away, I would be like, several Dude, feet is I think less than you were suggesting. Before. <laughs> okay. More, more <laughs> dozens, dozens of feet, feet would be a good start. Dozens, it is dozens. It was always dozens. It was, it was, it was 0.5 dozens. <laughs> it was multiple dozens of feet away. But anyway, like the closest time, it like I, I it like got closer than I wanted to the playground. I'm like, okay, I'm never, I'm not going to do this anymore around here. So, yeah, so this doesn't quite I, work. Yeah. So uh, there's a slightly larger park, a little bit north, and I tried that, and it was like fine. But I, but I knew of the bigger park, so that's where I went. So total, I've only been, I would say, since, uh, you know, late March or early April, probably six times, seven times. Okay, it's not that many times. Um, yeah, not a ton of times, but I've tried, recently because it's gotten warmer um, and, you know, it like just I've been trying to get out a little bit more recently. Um, so it's been more recent in the past few weeks, but overall fewer than 10 times for sure. 
how much would you estimate you have improved? Now, how about separate question? Boomeranger? Is there a word for a, a person who throws a boomerang? Uh, hopefully it's not boomer because that's e. taken. Um, I don't know of any slang for a person who throws a boomerang. However, this guy who makes boomerangs that are cool looking named Vic, you can look up boomerangs by Vic. Uh, he, and I'm sure other people, again, I'm not deep in the scene. Uh, he has said rangin or ranging, like it's taking off the boomer, uh, or booma. And so it's just R A N G I N G. So it looks like ranging when you <laughs> write it out in letters, but he means ranging. So I know slang for boomeranging is ranging, but I do not know slang for the person who throws a boomeranger. Well, boomerang. I think that, I think that's, that's clean to me, Pat, in your six or seven times going out, how much have you improved as a ranger? <laughs> uh, a ranger. Um, I, I have improved significantly. I don't know how much my technique has improved, but certainly my knowledge has improved. Um, so both this little cheap one and, and this other one came with like little instructions for like absolute noobs, which is useful, obviously. Um, and so they kind of gave consistent general advice about how you hold it, how you throw it. Uh, and so I, I had never been even slightly instructed before. So I was throwing it like literally like backwards when I was trying in junior high, I realized uh, I was holding it like, rotated 180 degrees of how I was supposed to be holding it when I was trying before. And so, so, um, so I knew right away the first time I went out approximately the correct way to throw it. And I think I have just gotten better at both knowing how much wind is too much wind or how to try to adjust accordingly. And just a little bit better of like reading where it is going to land after throwing it. Like I, I am, I, I diagnose it sooner how well that throw is going. Um, but, but I don't know, like my total percentage of throws that I would consider good has increased a little bit, but not like dramatically. So I would say like now there's probably like a third of throws that are good, a third of throws that are okay. And a third that are like way off. And it was probably like, you know, worse than that before, but not, I, I probably, I, maybe it was like 20% were good throws before. Now it's 33% or something like that. I don't know. I have made some notes here. Based on what you're saying, to me, Rangan is really an activity that requires three skills. Throwing the boomerang, reading the boomerang to figure out where it's going to go, and then and then that, that somewhat incorporates you know, getting to that place. Obviously, I guess in theory, you could be Usain Bolt and throw it wherever you want and then run over there and get it, but that's probably not a good option. And then third, like the actual catching of the boomerang, uh, like the physical act of doing it. Does that, does that seem right? Does that seem like, are there other things I'm leaving out here? Um, I think that's right. I would say there are far more elements to the first to the actual throw itself. And so that's there's that's exactly what I wanted to go into. And so it sounds yeah. like um, there's but, but three skills, but the throw is eighty five percent of it, or something like that. Yeah, not not to go true. back into being Bill Simmons. It's he's eighty. <laughs> Pat Polk is eighty two percent healthy, which means that eighty seven percent of his boomerang skill is involved yeah. in throwing right now. 
Yeah, I, I, I think that is about right, probably. Uh, and, and I would say, like, the, the reading part, if you incorporate, like, wind conditions and things like that in the, in the, the second stage of, like, reading it, then that would, then I'd say, yes, probably that's about and, right. And probably, even though I have fa- spoilers to bring back another, I have not yet caught it in my. That was the next question, so. yeah. Um, so you, so I could, I could say I'm, but I'm saying to you, even though I haven't caught it, I think the catch part is probably actually the easiest part. Um, and I could get into further detail there. Uh, but I, yeah, I think that if you include the wind on the second element, then probably the catching is actually the easiest, you know, you're just trying to catch a thing that's coming back at you. And there's probably Um, some degree to which the throw incorporates the wind too, because Oh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. yeah, it, it, unless it's completely still, you have to think about that slightly. And so a, a big problem here is that you only get to practice the catch part when you do the throw and read part well enough, whereas you, you practice the throw part every single time. And even if it's yeah. a terrible throw, you're like, oh, I see that's a terrible throw. Now you're practicing the read part. But, like, I can't yeah. run 100 yards, so I'm not going to practice the catch part this time. So I, I think that makes so it, it, this is I think this is an interesting skill to practice in this sense because there's such disparate things you have to do, but they're also disparate in the frequency with which you even get to attempt them. Unless you do the first two good, the catch is irrelevant. Like, like you wouldn't like if you if you can't do the first two, you won't eat, like you could be the best catcher of all time. You'll have no idea because the boomerang never comes near you. Yes. And I can confirm I'm not the best boomerang catcher of all time. For no, sure. that's it. Yeah, by now you, you yes, should it should have come up if you were going to be the best. Because I've seen yeah. some videos where yeah. you touch but the yeah, boomerang. I, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So so yeah, I, I agree. You ha- always are throwing. You are sometimes attempting to get close to where it lands, but sometimes you are like I'm not. I'm not sprinting. Uh, so I will just let that fall and collect it. And then occasionally you're trying to catch it. The, now, I got to say, pyramid. I think that's the next question. Is there a reason you're not sprinting? Do you really want <laughs> it? I just am an, I'm an old man in 85 degree <laughs> heat, and I just don't want to break myself trying to do it. Uh, so I think it and also, yeah, I mean, I would say just like you said, you only get to try to catch it when the first two things go right. I, if you're sprinting to try and catch it, you don't have good fundamentals. It's, you know? it's a lot to ask. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Like, that be that better be a very concerted sprint <laughs> if you're actually going to get there. If I can do my hands and close on it. Yeah. Um, that, that That's very true. So my next question was going to be, what are your goals? So it seems clear your first goal is you want to you want to throw the boomerang. It comes back. You catch it in your hand. That's going to be a great time. Do you have Do you have goals beyond that, or is that like when like Do you want to What What do you What What would be success in the field of ranging to you? Yeah, I think uh, really like catching it and then eventually, obviously, doing so consistently. I, I would maybe uh, you know. So what they say, and uh, as if you're in our group chat, you know. I have tried to record myself throwing it as in, and again, I haven't caught it yet, so none of them have been successful. But I was holding my phone with my left hand. And it's a it's it a much higher it. degree of difficulty, to be honest. Yeah. So, so like obviously, um, they say what's supposed to be happening is it's supposed to be tw- like looped around and above you, and kind of 
rotating and floating down towards you at the at where you're going to catch it, and then you, as as you kind of indicated with your hands, catch it like sandwich it with your hand on top and bottom with two hands, and so you're supposed to do that to catch it. And I haven't even tried that the past two times that I've been recording it when I throw it. Um, so I would say the goals would be consistency first with two hands and then with one hand. Um, I, I think it is a fantasy to be able to catch it like co- looking cool with one hand. like In your mouth. Of- That's how to catch yeah, it. No, yeah, exactly. Uh, no, like, you know, if, if I'm not going to ever just like snap and catch it by the arm of the boomerang with one hand. It's going to be like kind of like grabbing it, hopefully by the kind of the middle, because that's the part that's staying in the same place while the rest rotates and just kind of grabbing it. But, um, but yeah, so catching it with two hands successfully a couple of times and then consistently, and then with one hand uh, is probably the end goal. I don't, I don't have any, as you said, there's no like game to play or, you know, other activities. So just, I guess then upping the ante would be, getting more comfortable with higher wind conditions. So then I could go out more frequently. Sure. Uh, you know, I don't have to wait for the perfect day to do it if I'm good enough to do it consistently. And they're like, okay, I will, I know how to adjust for this and I'll adjust my throw and still try to catch it. Uh, I guess that would be the end goal. And maybe that would mean that I could do it in smaller fields because I am less of a dangerous maniac. You know where the uh, thing's going to go. Yeah. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's very strong. I think this is a fantastic hobby you've picked up here. It seems very inexpensive. And uh, honestly, going out there, showing somebody this, that's pretty cool. Do you now, do you ever take Jen or the kids out when you do this anymore, or is this a private matter these days? <laughs> um, I have uh, – last I showed my sister and the girls were with me when my sister came over recently um, – because now what happens, because I've got this in my head, uh, we're like, hey, we're going to the park. I will check the weather conditions and see, hey, it is a very calm day. Maybe we can squeeze in yeah. a little boomeranging for this trip to the park. With you the know girls. what that is? It's a little something for daddy. Exactly. You made it sound <laughs> gross. But uh, so I have once or twice after trying a little more regularly, um, I have – been with the girls. I'm just worried. I don't want them to get hurt. I, they don't sure. think it's that interesting and it is rather wild. And so I don't want them to get bonked. Uh, so it is under only under certain, like there has to be another adult with me. I'm not going to take them alone to the park and then try it because I want another adult to be around in case it is a bad throw. And they're there. It does feel like this might be one of those things where like you have to throw something a thousand times before you can appreciate how cool it is that dad just threw something and you know what it did. It turned around and came back. Like they haven't thrown enough things yet to recognize like, no, it's crazy that he did that. So like, yeah, yeah. sometimes you throw something, it comes back. Who cares? Whatever. But they're wrong. If you got, eventually they'll know like, man, it's cool when dad does that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It is, it is probably cooler than they appreciate. I, I, I think it definitely is. Uh, Pat, it's been an excellent ringing subject, but I'm told, I, I, just, I got a note here from my producer. Yes, that's correct. Pat, you're going to run the next segment. What do you got for us? So I was told that all guests 
past and present have to have an idea for a segment when they come on the show. And so this didn't necessarily start as an idea for your show. It was just a thing I was thinking about that I thought was kind of funny, but I thought this was a good opportunity. And I admit we are talking now in June of 2021 uh, where you and I and, and most of our friends are fully vaccinated. And fortunately, America's numbers are getting better. Uh, so we're kind of hopefully on on the downswing of this pandemic that has been terrible for the past, you know, 15, 16 months. Uh, but the, when I came up with this, it was much more peak pandemic times. It was probably last June, July, something like that, when the numbers were really bad. But in my mind, uh, I was listening to the Blue Album by Weezer, as I want to do on a relatively regular basis. It is maybe my favorite album of all time, top to bottom. And uh, it's a top one album. Had a, Pat. It is, I can't say for sure. I, it is. It's certainly a top five for me. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> and I thought, with very little stretching, um, that the themes of isolation and uh, and sometimes even directly sickness um, directly map onto living through the pandemic. And so I went through every single song in the blue album and tried to find the most fitting uh, lyric that, that described life during the pandemic. And I think that it is a remarkable that all 10 songs have uh, an, a, a reference that you can bring up. And, and I said, I really think only a couple of them are stretches. It's really quite, quite something. And so um, this is what I want to talk about. And I guess to make it a potential future segment, my challenge to the audience is to come up with a, different album that does a better job to talk about life in the pandemic uh that is obviously not directly about the pandemic or response to the pandemic i think this one is tough to beat i have some comments um they're not necessarily related to what no they're related to what you said but only one word um you remarked recently when we were now let me just step back uh, Pat's running a segment on the podcast, and that's good. That's very, that's very good and fine. But it's, it's troubling me, so I have to do a quick segment where only I talk. Um, uh, Pat and I were playing video games recently, and with some other people who need not be named, and uh, it was the Mats, and somebody said, "Hey, do that again," and I said, "Do it again," because I have what I think of in my head as like an automatic. There are certain things when I hear, I just say them in response. There is a, it, it's not even a popular song anyone likes, but there's a Holy Ghost song that I really like called Do It Again. And it's just do it again. And so when I hear someone say, do it again, I say, do it again. And so we had another one of these here. And because Pat was talking, I stepped out. It's been a really good one during the pandemic, but when any time someone says the word in front of me, isolation, I immediately think of the Joy Division song, isolation, yeah. mm -hmm. and I just I just hit it, and it was such a proud accomplishment on my end <laughs> when you said isolation that I was like, oh. and I, I I pulled it back and I didn't do it, but please know. Do it again in isolation. Or like I may have as little as as few as five automatics these days, but those are among them. 
I really enjoy them. Now then, Pat, let's hear about how the Blue Album teaches us every lesson we could possibly learn about the pandemic. Again, a couple stretches, but some of them are so good as freaky. Okay. I'm just going to go in album order, not like quality order. Um, so my name is Jonas. Very obvious one. During the pandemic, the workers are going home. The workers are going home. Every every worker went home. We had to work from home or, or be fired. Uh, did, there was not a lot of in-person vocation work during the pandemic. Did you ever read that Chuck Klosterman essay about how Kid A is about 9-11? No. Uh, Kid A came out well before 9-11, but Chuck Klosterman wrote an essay uh, I, th- I think it was originally not in a book, but then in a book about uh, how all of the songs align with 9-11. It kind of seems like you're doing the same thing now about the pandemic. This could be like this, like maybe that you do this podcast and then like eight months from now, you got to deal with Harper Collins. Yeah, I think that's what happens. It's, I think that's where we're going here. Everybody... Mark this down. It's going to be a big episode. Okay. The workers, Pat, they've gone home. What's up next? Yes. So, I, and I will say again, I acknowledge the ones that are easy, um, other, other, unless they're really specific, like a lot of them are just on the themes of isolation. Like obviously Rivers isolation. was writing about being a lonely nerd. Yeah, exactly. He was writing about being a lonely nerd. And so obviously you are a lot, all these, a lot of these are just about being alone and, and isolated. And so I understand it's easy, uh, some of them, but I still think they're very good. Can I give you a tip? Yeah. Quit shitting on your own bet. It's a good bet. <laughs> Do it. Thank you. No one else is the next song about the girlfriend. And it says, when I'm away, she never leaves the house. Again, you're stuck at home. There you go. The whole time. Uh, she doesn't leave the house because she doesn't want to get COVID. Too uh, smart. Similarly, uh, the world has turned. Um, this one is a little, uh, I, it's obvious, but I think that it works better if you think of it in the context of Zoom. But um, I, I talked for hours to your wadded photograph. Oh, uh, that's, everyone, that's clean. Yeah. It, yeah. Everyone is speaking via Zoom. No one's communicating in person. Um, you are you are speaking to a, a, a facsimile of a human not making actual human contact. Buddy Holly, another super easy one. What's the matter, babe? I'm feeling sick. What's the matter? What's the matter? What's the matter? You. So again, this is one of the. This is the worst one yet. What are you talking about? Easy one. No, dude, you got the. COVID. You got COVID. What's the matter? You. This better be yeah, an arc. Are we going to recover from COVID in this thing? I said this is not an. I did. These are in song order, not like narrative. They weren't in. I don't order know about. Hey, order. my narrative is I fucking didn't get COVID. I don't know. This this one where we're getting COVID, I don't like as much, but let's go on. Okay. Well, I thought that was good. It, it is you, the uncertainty and the realization of catching COVID. Uh, Undone, uh, the sweater song, uh, is about social distancing, and it's let's be friends and just walk away. That's you good. You just have to keep your distance. Um, Surf Wax America is the roughest one, I think. Uh I, I couldn't think of any, just the doom of it. So uh, I think just when the numbers were getting worse, essentially, or or when you realize that there was, in fact, a second wave and a third wave, that the first wave was not actually that bad, um, all along the undertow of strengthening is hold, I never thought it'd come to this. Just 
every it, 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 the conditions have worsened to the point that I did not previously imagine. But I acknowledge Surf Wax is a stretch. It's the worst one. Don't, don't we have now? I can never go home at the end of that. That could that could be you got COVID and now you uh, are on the ventilator and you're going to die in the hospital. I guess I I thought you know I thought of more of it being like stuck at home as opposed to being ousted from home. But but yeah, that could work too. Uh, I per, I enjoy so say it ain't so. Another obvious one, but a really good one. Say it ain't so. Your drug is a heartbreaker. Oh, yeah. I was thinking of obviously hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, one thousand uh, percent. Destroying I love people's it. hearts. <laughs> uh, so you don't want to take you don't want to take Trump's drug because it will break your heart. Um, the garage is very easy. Again, just purely being alone. I in the garage, I feel safe. No one laughs about my ways. In the garage where I belong, no one hears me sing this song. You're just alone at home, completely isolated. Uh, Isolated. Yep. Uh, holiday. Very easy mapping. We will write a postcard to our friends and family in Freeverse. Again, that's what, you I mean, see I, your family. And especially though, like we had like a moment where people were like, "I'm going to write longhand letters to my friends and and stuff like this." I, I think that that's one of my favorite ones. And the best for last, also my favorite song from the album. And among my favorite songs of all time, Only in Dreams, there aren't a lot of lyrics to that song. And it's an eight-minute song. But in that song, it says, you can't avoid her. She's in the air. In between molecules of oxygen and carbon dioxide, that's the Rona. You can't avoid her. She's in the air. So good. So every song, with the possible exception of Rex America, clearly maps on to the coronavirus and Rivers Cuomo as a prophet. And he foresaw our dystopian future of uh, the deadly disease Rampaging our country and isolating us in our homes. It it, it does any time someone like demonstrates demonstrates such foresight and like like we establish it like this. I always do have that general feeling of like, doesn't this make you history's greatest monster? <laughs> like, boy, Rivers, you could have let us know, and instead you looked at Japanese pornography for thirty years. Not cool. <laughs> <laughs> Wish you had done this a different way. Yeah. So my challenge is to find an album that has more song lyrics that map directly. Every song maps to the pandemic. Well, thank you. I I, I think it's a great challenge. Uh, first off, I think you've done a really good job. If anybody comes up with something as good or better, I will be surprised. That said. Uh, I call Kid A and both Joy Division records. So no one else is. I've already mentioned those. No one else can touch okay. those. I'm going to find some bullshit there. But uh, I, I think you've done an extremely good job. And I also think you've done an extremely good job on this podcast. Pat, do Why, you have you. anything you'd like to plug? So many things. We've already talked about throwing a boomerang. We've already talked about Interstellar 5555. It's a top two movie with Interstellar in the name. Yeah, exactly. And again, (laughs) I want to point out Interstellar. You really don't give a shit about that? That was a good fucking joke. You didn't like that at all? (laughs) Interstellar is a top two movie with Interstellar in the name. I think that's the funniest thing I've said all night. You didn't even – you're trying to push off of it. You didn't even smile. Fake smiles don't count. We'll, we'll wait for the listeners to come back 
Interstellar is a top <laughs> two movie with Interstellar in the name. Very strong. Uh, Maribee's Town is very good. Obviously, I'm obligated every time I come on this show now to plug Ted Lasso. It's very funny. Highly so I've heard. I haven't made it out just yet. Uh, here is my uh, my final plug. The satisfaction of correctly identifying an entirely uh, instrumental song because you can't use the internet to do so. And obviously not when it's playing and so you could use your phone uh, to do so. But having a song stuck in your head that is purely instrumental and eventually after days or hours of uh, racking your brain coming up with the correct answer. That is that is the plug. I want everyone to do that. It's a really good plug. Uh, another plug we have, special guest on the podcast right now. It's Jen Murphy, everybody. How you doing, Jen? Oh, shoot. You're still recording. I just wanted to say hi to Johnny. Hi, Johnny. Hey, it, it, it's a hello to me, and it's a hello to everyone out there in radio land. How are you doing tonight, Jen? I'm doing all right. I just had a, a, a dinner with a friend from out of town. She got on an airplane came all the way to Illinois. We ate outside at a restaurant. Felt pretty crazy. What what look at you living a life. Who can believe it? Are we going to do that again? World. Is that is that allowed? Are we going to do stuff like that? I love it. I think I think I'm into it. I'm also pretty tired. I feel like I need to like call it up, call all my other plans off for like a week, <laughs> so I don't know. Uh I I, I I appreciate you coming on. Do you have anything you'd like to plug? Bed. I'm plugging bed. That's where I'm going. It was nice we, to see you. Goodbye. We all like bed. Thank you so much, Jen, for coming on. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna fill the space. Pretend like Jen didn't just take her headphones off and wander away. Rude, <laughs> uh, but it's okay. But uh, now, do, do you enjoy bed, Pat? I like sleeping. Yes, yeah, I don't you know, do it as much as I should. I was, I was gonna say, do you? Act, I I feel like you don't sleep very much. Do you? Do you give a shit about sleep? Or are you just like, damn, I wish I didn't have to sleep? I, I, I enjoy sleeping, but because of my life. <laughs> uh, because of my life children, is a great way to start a sentence. Yes. <laughs> you know uh, why I do this? Because, because of, of the, my life. The schedule of my life with work and children has very limited true free time. I have consciously made the decision to sacrifice sleep to enjoy my hobbies, such as playing video games uh, or watching TV or movies. And so I stay up too late to entertain myself and sacrifice sleep knowingly because it is my only opportunity to do so. So I, I don't, I should sleep more and I would feel good sleeping more. I enjoy sleep, but I, I have cons- consistently made the choice to not do that. I, I am. I, I have a much less busy schedule than you, but I find myself thinking the same more and more all the time that I like sleep and I like being asleep, but I also, it almost makes you feel guilty. It's like, damn, I don't have that many hours. Sure, it'd be nice if I was awake for some of them. And uh, whatever yeah. it takes, yeah, go, go do more fun stuff. Uh, it's, it's a good plan. Uh, Pat, it's 1027 here in the Central Coast. What are you doing after this? 
I will start getting ready for bed, and I will see if any friends are playing video games online. And if they are, I'll play video games with them. Uh, otherwise, I might read the internet and listen to a podcast and go to sleep. Well, if you're available, I'll see you playing video games on the internet. Yeah! Best wishes in the intervening days.